Psalm 16. It's a short psalm. David, you could read the whole psalm, please. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This Psalm of David um, reflects on the life of the Christian too, as well as David's personal life. But it also inspires the Christian when we read this, <clears throat> there are certain things that stands out. And one of the things in the last verse, he said, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And that's the name of this today. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And in God's presence, we have joy. The fullness of joy. And the problem for us in daily life or on the merry-go-round of life is that sometimes we lose sight of all of this. That God is present. And He lives within us. And He's here. And He's here right now. And He's here in a special way right now because the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in His name, there He is among us. And so in the meetings of the church, it should be a solemn time, a, a time of the recognition of the presence of the Lord in a special way. And so, for the Christian, there should be a recognition of His presence. When we come to Him in prayer, in our devotional time, in our worship time, that he, the person of Jesus, this person that we read about in the scriptures, is actually with us and living in us. And so, that gives us a whole different perspective on our life and everything we're going through. It says here, in verse 8, 
I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. He's always before me. He is always in me. Behold, I shall never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The recognition that Jesus is with us at all times. And it is very important for the Christian to recognize that. So the enemy doesn't take advantage of us. And doesn't get the upper hand on us. When God told Moses to go to Pharaoh, when he's at the burning bush, Moses was afraid to go because he said, I'm not a good speaker. And God said, go because I'll be with you. When Gideon was afraid to go and lead the Israelites against Midian, God said to him, go because I'll be with you. And that theme from the Old Testament continues in the New Testament. When God told Ananias to go lay hands on Saul of Tarsus, persecutor of the church, what was Saul of Tarsus' reply? Lord, we heard all the things, the terrible things he's doing to the church. You know? You want me to go to him? And so God says, go, because I've chosen him. God is with us, so we need not be afraid. It is a spirit of power and love and of self-control. God is with us. And so when we look at our life, we, He hasn't abandoned us. He said, I will, ne- I will not leave you like orphans. I will be with you always. Even to the end of the age, I will send you my spirit. And He will be with you. And He will be your guide through life. He will be your teacher in life. He will be your comforter in life. He will be your helper in life. And the enemy wants to hide all this, these truths, these facts of the Word of God. He wants to diminish them and try to hide them from our eyes. Brothers and sisters, we have to embrace these facts of the Word of God, these truths, these promises from God, so that we are comforted, so that we are helped, so that we are guided so that we are taught and that we are not diverted away. In Psalm 114 it says, Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord. And when we, when we hear that, that, well... That's for us too. To fear the Lord in the beauty of holiness. To fear God. And to respect Him and to tremble at His Word. Not being afraid of Him because He's our Father, but to fear Him. They're not the same in the Word of God. The reverence of God. To tremble at His Word. To this man I will look to to him is of a humble and contrite heart, spirit, and he who trembles at my word. 
In Psalm 139, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You see, even if we wanted to get away from God, if we wanted to indulge in the flesh and not and God not see it, it's, it's vain. God is everywhere. And He is with us. And, in, and if we are in Christ, He is in us. And to recognize that, His presence is wherever we are. If we're in a deep, dark dungeon like Jeremiah, or, or Paul, or some of the other apostles who are persecuted, and many others in Christendom even today, in communist China and Muslim countries, if they're persecuted and put in prison, God is with them. I remember hearing one time a story of Chinese, a couple of Chinese Christians who were arrested by the communist government, Chinese government, some years back, and, and uh, they were put in this dungeon, this this uh, this hole in the ground, and it's kind of like what Jeremiah went there, and they were thrown all the way down in this dungeon, down deep in the earth, and all that was in there, there was garbage, there was rats there and everything, and they didn't feed them anything for two weeks. Because they wanted, the communist government wanted information where the Christians were meeting. And they wouldn't tell them. So they figured, wow, we'll stick them in this dungeon for a couple weeks. And then they'll, then they'll talk after they're a little hungry. They stuck them down there two weeks. There was nothing to survive on except the juice of rotten tomatoes. Two weeks. So they got them out of there after two weeks and they, were, they thought they were going to talk. And they pulled them out of there and they were praising the Lord. And they were, and they were just, and they couldn't get a word out of them. And they were praising God while they were beat, they were beating them to and everything, and they couldn't get a word out of them. You see, the Christians in that country were used to fasting and used to praising God. They they were used to doing without food, so this was not a new thing to them. It's funny how when you know. Being a Christian is illegal and you're a fugitive and you're in hiding. It's funny how zealous you become to seek God in the fast and everything else. And to and to you know and to get serious about our you know, your devotions, our devotions with God, you know. So here it was. They were in the presence of God, and nothing God was with them and nothing was gonna keep them from God's purpose and God's will. In Psalm 140 it says, Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The righteous shall dwell in your presence. Now, it is all, there's all agreement that when we get to heaven, the righteous shall dwell in his presence. But we're talking about now. Dwelling in a way that we recognize the presence of God with us and in us. The Spirit of God in us. That's why the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Because He he lives in us, and if we're living in an ungodly way, it's certainly going to grieve Him. And so, we are the temple of God, it says in Corinthians. Honor God 
in your bodies. The recognition of the Spirit of God in us. And we have to ask ourselves the question, is that where I'm at? Do I recognize the Spirit of God in me if I am a Christian? Do I recognize that? If you're not a Christian, you haven't crossed that road yet, the only thing we can say is come on over and, and embrace, embrace all that God is offering to you. When we hear the Word of God and we flee from it, we flee from His presence. We're kind of like Jonah. It says God told Jonah to do something. <laughs> the story of Jonah is very, pop, very well known. Jonah didn't want to do what God told him to do. For his reasons. It says, so he fled from the presence of the Lord and went into a ship. And we know how it all turned out. He tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. But as we read in the book of Psalms, it didn't happen. Sometimes Christians find themselves in a place where they have a hard heart. How does a Christian's heart become hard? The Bible says, that a heart can become hard in the book of Hebrews. It says, the heart becomes hard through the deceitfulness of sin. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit brings conviction and the knowledge of sin to us and the warning against sin. But if we make a decision to go that way anyway and flee from the leading of the Spirit, it hardens our heart. Like Jonah. Your heart in your heart. You shut out the knowledge of His presence. It's not that God isn't present anymore, but we harden our heart to His presence with us. We cut off the... We, we shut off the awareness. Why? Because we can't do it without shutting out that, that, that voice. That we can't, if we shut out, if we don't harden our heart to that voice, it's going to be an awful hard thing to do. Hardness of heart. Fleeing from the presence of God. That's what Jonah did. He hardened our, his heart to the Word of God. Go preach to the city of Nineveh. He didn't want to do it because he hated the Ninevites. He wanted judgment to come to them, he didn't want them to repent. <clears throat> You see the ungodliness in his heart, the hardness of heart to the presence of God. He, he fled from the presence of God. Do we do that in our life? We not physically don't go down into a ship, but is that what we're doing internally? You know, out of selfishness, out of self-will. We don't embrace the convictions that the Holy Spirit's giving us, the truths of God's Word. We run from them. We kind of like insulate ourselves from them. The rich young ruler. He fled from the presence of Jesus when Jesus said, this is what you got to do. 
Oh, no. I ain't gonna do that. Yeah. That's what you gotta do. And he wasn't ready for what Jesus was telling him. He didn't accept it. He fled from Jesus. He refused to be his disciple. He hardened his heart to Jesus. In the book of Zephaniah in the Old Testament, it says, Be silent before the presence of, in the presence of the Lord. Now, a lot of preachers that preach a lot of sermon on being still before the Lord and being silent before Him. And it's hard to do that unless we recognize who we're being silent before. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Master of the Universe. The God of all creation who made us. And we will return to Him. All life will return to Him and give answer to Him. And come before His presence. But in this time, as we come before His presence, to be still before Him and recognize Him and be, and be in awe of who He is. Just give ourselves the time to do that. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So from there we go to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Beginning in verse 3 uh, to um, verse 16. <clears throat> we give thanks to, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, because of the hope which was laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it also has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of God on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of, his, of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son, the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Mm -hmm. In this passage, Paul recognizes how well the Colossians are doing. He hears, he hears of their faith, verse 4, and their love for all the saints. And he's, because of the hope that they have in heaven. In verse 6 it says, They're bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. And it says that, that the Epaphras in verse 8 also declared to us, your love in the Spirit. You see, they were experiencing um, life in the Spirit. They were experiencing the Christian life. And it says that it was declaring their love in the Spirit. This was a thriving church. The Colossian church was a, a thriving church. And it was a church that was doing well in, in many respects. Bringing forth fruits since the day that they heard the message and believed it. They began bringing forth fruit. And it's wonderful. And he says in verse 9, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, this good report, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Be filled with all the wisdom and spiritual understanding that God has for us. And you see the ministry of the brothers towards each other, to pray for each other. You know, and I, I believe that's what Christians should be doing for each other, not just apostles, that we should take the time, you know, to we don't we don't have, you know, the luxury to just pray twenty four seven. But like Paul, he worked with his own hands to provide for his needs and the needs of others. We have things to do. We have children to take care of, grandchildren. We have uh, responsibilities. We have jobs. We have all kinds of things. But it doesn't take forever to pray for each other and to, and, and to, pre to bring our prayer requests to before God and to be in his presence and to God open up and to pray for each other that God would open up our spiritual understanding to be filled with the knowledge of God's will for us. That's what we want, isn't it? That we're all on the same page, we're all filled with the knowledge of God's will for us. I heard a preacher one time say, success often comes disguised as hard work. And we can criticize you know, we can criticize the need of every church that we attend. And sometimes the criticism is, is definitely, uh, you know, warranted. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Uh, definitely warranted. But at the same time, that shouldn't be the beginning and the end of it. That there should be a commitment to prayer. That, you know, and a commitment for each person within the brotherhood to do their part, as the Bible teaches us in Ephesians 4. 
but also to pray for one another, to be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So I don't have that myself. Well, we pray for for ourselves as well as our brothers and sisters. Not just here, but the the body at large. Christians that we know in other uh, groups and everything. That God has has in our life. You know, and for our community, the churches in our community. To pray for them. To pray for a spiritual awakening. A spiritual revival. This is important stuff that God... And you see that this is what Paul was doing. And we should follow in the steps of Jesus and the apostles. Jesus prayed for his disciples. Paul prayed for the disciples. We pray for the disciples. For each of us. And the brotherhood. That we may walk worthy of the Lord. Walk in a way that's worthy of our calling, it says in another place. We are named with the name of Jesus. We shouldn't be hypocritical. We shouldn't be putting forth a bad testimony. Letting things come out of our mouth that shouldn't. To be putting forth an example of Christ. To be a light of, to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. That's what we're called to. In verse 11, it's strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for patience, long-suffering, and joy. Strengthened with the power of God. This is not a calling of of those who have no power. This is a calling to those who have power in Christ. The spirit of power the spirit of love, the spirit of self-control that God gives us through faith in Christ. So, let's not make any excuses. Let's not dance around these things. But let's be responsible Christians and embrace what God is telling us. And not make uh, provision for the flesh. To be lazy spiritually. To be sluggish spiritually, like it says in Hebrews 6. Fully pleasing Him. Fully pleasing God. Being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. And increasing in the knowledge of God also is increasing in the knowledge of His presence. The knowledge that His... And the awareness of His presence. And He's always here. He's always with us and in Christ. Those who are in Christ, He lives in us. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the life. For the Christian... There is a tremendous inheritance waiting for us in heaven. And it is unspeakable how great the inheritance is. And the Bible talks about it in different places. We have a rich father who it's his delight to give us the kingdom. It is his father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, he said to us, his disciples. And that's waiting for us. 
But guess what? There's an inheritance here that we can enjoy here and be a partaker of here. The inheritance, it says, qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We can partake of that inheritance now. Amen. Not the inheritance up there. The inheritance that's here for us now. Amen. There's an inheritance waiting for us, and there's an inheritance now. So what is that inheritance? The inheritance is the promises of God. The promise is the key. All this is the promises of God that unlock all of our inheritance. He has promised. All the promises of God are yes in Christ and amen to the glory of God. We have a door open to us through the promises of God. Our inheritance here as the children of God, the sons and the daughters of God, one day that will be revealed to all of the human race. But right now, we as the children of God must embrace and be aware of the inheritance we have now. The children of God. The inheritance of the children of God now. That God will answer our prayers. That He is guiding us. He's leading us. He's teaching us. He's comforting us. His presence is with us and in us. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is with, with you and shall be in you. So we will move to verse 21 and read verse 21 to the end of the chapter. And you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to, the, to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Well, <clears throat> you see in this passage, Paul mentions this great mystery revealed. And the great mystery revealed is... It says in verse 27 again, <clears throat> To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is. 
This is the mystery revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our hope of glory. It talks about people being moved away from the hope of the gospel. And that is the ultimate aim of our, the enemy of our soul. Is to move us away from this hope. Through condemnation. To entice us to walk in the flesh. To harden our hearts. To move us away from this hope. But in Christ there is this hope. Of Christ in us. The hope of glory. Christ in us. This mystery revealed. Jesus living in us. And that is what the enemy wants to hide from our eyes. This whole mystery revealed to us. And to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And the knowledge of God. And what he's about. And to understand the mysteries of God. That the Holy Spirit teaches us. It's that constant awareness. As we walk with God, and we walk